This is Jessica Speaks, and you're listening to Till the Fat Lady Sings. I've designed this to be a space where we can explore and sometimes overanalyze our thoughts about love, wellness, and relationships. This is going to be a safe space for those of you who talk to yourself out loud. Rock with me. Jessica Speaks, and you're listening to episode three of Till the Fat Lady Sings. And I already know what you're going to say. Yes, it has been a while. And I had to take a break. I was so exhausted. I was so overwhelmed. And I really just needed to take some time to get okay. I am someone who, number one, deals with anxiety. And my anxiety was like through the roof. This is my busy season at work. And I've been having to kind of process all that. But also, I really needed to take some time to rest my body because I just couldn't recharge. And I don't know why. I would sleep for hours and wake up and still be sleepy. I would be like achy and sore and stiff. And if I'm honest, I missed recording so much. But if I'm honest, I'm not sorry. Because as I mature and really grow, I am learning to prioritize my health, mental, physical, spiritual, or otherwise. And I wanted to take that time to get back right. I wouldn't describe <laughs> how I am now, or how I feel now as well or like, you know, perfect, but I'm better and I'm back. So I just wanted to kind of in- internalize what I learned from a platform on Instagram called The Nap Ministry. I love them. They're so dope. And they always talk about rest being radical. And that's something I really, really want to kind of keep close to my heart because I grew up in a Caribbean American household and we worked a lot because if we didn't work, we didn't eat. So I've been grinding. I've been grinding since I was like 12, as a matter of fact. I can't think of any time between now and the age 12 where I was unemployed for more than a period of like three months. And the NAP ministry challenges me to get out of that. Really, they seek to abolish grind culture. And I can appreciate that because if you're not healthy, if you're not well, if you're not rested, you're not of any use to anybody. So I'm back and I'm better, child. I took that break and I'm I'm glad I'm back because so much has actually happened. And I wanted to prioritize my mental health. And it's so, so, so needed, especially as black folks. I think the conversation has probably picked up a lot more in in more recent years. But still, we don't know a lot. We are so, so, so in the beginning stages of kind of understanding how important mental wellness is in our community, but also how important understanding mental illness is in our community. What it looks like, how to name it, where we can go for help, where we can go for support. So we'll definitely unpack all that. But there is a lot to talk about. Child, a lot has happened since I've left. So I've been watching television. I've been watching my Bravo shows and things like that. And I do want to get into those things. But before I even go there, there's a conversation that I want us to have today. What did y'all do for Juneteenth? Did y'all do anything? I did. I had a good time. I went out. I went to a pop-up shop that a friend of mine hosted. A friend of mine, Courtney, has a company called Melanated Elements, 
which is really committed to bringing together Black creatives, entrepreneurs, business owners, and consumers, really, to come into shared spaces and network, shop, you know, build new relationships. And I loved their event. They had a Good Vibes Only Juneteenth pop-up shop at the 333 Lounge, uh, downtown Brooklyn, or like Flatbush, Brooklyn, really. And it was so fly. The vendors were awesome. The vibes were like 10 out of 10. It was so good that people were all saying like, yo, when is the next one? And I'm so happy for my friend because, you know, sis, you could tell had been going through it and stressed out, but it worked out. So I got me a hand poured candle and I'm actually about to order a t-shirt from one of the vendors who was there as well. And I'm excited because, you know, Juneteenth turned out to be pretty dope. I saw people had their block parties. People were outside like like double dutching and playing music and doing all the things. So I thought that was pretty dope. Uh, I think as as the country kind of comes to understand Juneteenth, people are celebrating it like by and large. But please be clear, Juneteenth has been around. People have been celebrating it for a long time, especially in Texas. And, you know, as we always do, Black folks, we got something we didn't ask for. <laughs> so Juneteenth is now being recognized as a federal holiday. But if I'm honest, I, I didn't ask for that and neither did y'all. Juneteenth is going to be commercialized. I'm telling you, I feel it in my spirit. And it's already being commercialized. Companies are like posting Juneteenth cartoons. I I'm just waiting for like the Juneteenth blowout sales. I'm waiting for like to get 18.65% of a discount off of like some Crocs or something. It's actually almost laughable. It's not funny, ain't shit funny, but it's almost laughable how these companies are, and or really just legislation at you know as a whole is really blatantly disregarding the concerns and requests of Black people, and kind of handing us Juneteenth as like a bone to say, look here, take it, you know, go in the corner, sit down, and shut up. So Juneteenth, I assume, is the gift for our suffrage. And y'all can keep it. I don't want that. I don't have no interest in that. Um, y'all can definitely keep that. So I guess, I don't know, are people going to be getting the day off? Are white people going to be getting the day off? And if they are, why? Why come? Child, let me not even get into all that. Moral of the story is, we don't want it. We don't need it. Like Lil' Kim said, so that's that. It was a cool pop-up shop. It was a great event. Um, Melanie Elements like totally killed it. Courtney did her thing. And I'm excited for the next one. But this weekend was not even enough of a distraction from what I had seen at the top of the weekend. And that's what I want to talk about today. This video that's been floating around of a child, I want to say he's 12, named Tyler who was filmed by his family in Atlanta, Georgia, being beaten, being brutalized, being verbally attacked because he is gay. And in the video, they're recording themselves because, you know, I don't know, recently parents have like taken to recording themselves, humiliating their children. They recorded themselves doing all this to him and they're telling him to say you're not gay. They're telling him to to say it on camera. Like it, it, it means something to them that he admits it as if by saying he's not gay on camera, he would suddenly change. He would he would suddenly like be like transmuted into 
a straight person as if that's a goal to want to have to. Anyway, Tyler's family also went as far as to shave the word gay into the side of his head. And my first reaction was, oh my gosh, this is disgusting. And make no mistake, it was disgusting. It was dirty. It was low. And they're trash. Period. But after that initial response of, oh my gosh, this is disgusting, right? And even going as far as to say, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I had to get honest. This is not the worst thing I've ever seen because we've seen this before. And even for those of us who claim to have never seen it, we've heard of it before. People have been telling us for decades that this is the kind of violence that occurs in Black households all across the United States. We know better. We just choose not to do better. So in this instance, this video is not just one or two people. This is like an entire family who rallies around Tyler and like kind of like backs him into this, this riggedy old raggedy porch to do this outside to make this spectacle of him. And I actually posted about it on my Instagram, but I chose to block Tyler's face out because this is going to be so harmful for him. They, by doing this, subjected him to the scrutiny and to be the butt of the joke for every homophobic household across the nation. But also they've outed this child now and he kind of has to like deal with all that that comes with. And even on top of that, they humiliated a child on a national platform. So I just didn't feel like it was necessary to, to post Tyler's face because the video is floating around, but I don't want to add to anyone being able to recognize him for that video. Not because he's an amazing person or a sweet baby or an, uh, an overachiever or an amazing artist or anything like that, but because his family is disgusting and they chose to make a fool of themselves on a holiday that I think a lot of people wanted to say was indicative of the strong black family unit. I want to get into this because I want to tell the truth. I don't want to lie about this anymore. Now, I think the consensus has been for a long time that cisgendered heterosexual men are the, and have been, the most harmful group as it relates to violence done onto queer, trans, non-binary people and women and or women. And so I think that, you know, we were, we were all kind of clear on that. But I don't know if we've always told the truth about cisgendered heterosexual women and the role that they play in that violence, especially. Well, I'm, I'm talking specifically now about black women. And I understand why that is. I understand that because black women are so deeply marginalized and because black women are constantly criminalized, dehumanized, that a lot of folks don't want to feel like they are attacking cisgendered black women. But I'm a cisgendered black woman. I want to tell the truth. The truth is Cisgendered Black women, especially cisgendered heterosexual Black women, have been party to this kind of violence as well. Because in that video, you can hear someone, there's several women there, but there's one voice in particular. I don't know if that's an auntie. I don't know if that's a niece, a cousin, even a mother, but she's louder than all the other women and she's chastising Tyla constantly in that video. And that is just another reminder of how so many women have the opportunity to stand in the gap for queer and trans people and choose not to. They choose to vibrate at that low, dingy, dirty, ashy ass frequency. And so for me, I got smoke for you too. 
Not because I'm perfect. You know, I know we all can say, I'm still learning. Well, when are you going to learn? When are you going to apply the learning? People have said time and time and time again that this behavior is inappropriate. This behavior is violent. This behavior is harmful. This behavior does nothing for the exaltation or the uplift or even just the continued existence of black folks. And time and time again, cisgendered women have lined up against their musty ass boyfriends and perpetuated that same kind of harm. So I'm not with it anymore. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I saw comments saying, well, you know, what happens in the house stays in the house. This should have never been posted on social media. That to me is even scarier because when these things don't get posted, they continue to happen. They've been happening. That's why over 40% of the homeless population of young people in the United States identifies as LGBTQPIA+. Most of those people have reported that they've been pushed out of their homes or they had to leave as a means of safety. And in many of those homes, there were women there who could have done something but chose not to. There were women there who were the perpetuants of the harm, who were the abusers. It just is what it is. And I think someone out there is going to hear this and want to decide that I'm saying that all women are responsible, that all women are abusers. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have been party to the violence. We are not absolved of our part that we play in it. But also, we're not above reproach. We have to do better too. And we have to be honest about that. We can't have friends, acquaintances, associates, and say, well, you know, this is my friend. If you don't value their humanity, they're not, not only are they not your friend, you are their very real enemy. In that video, we hear these women kind of cheering these men on as they're hitting Tyler and roughing them up and things like that. That kind of support, um, that kind of echoing is something that I have seen in churches. I have seen that in schools. I've seen it all over. I've seen it in hair salons. And we have to get honest about how cisgendered heterosexual women can be violent. It's not always going to be fists and punching. Sometimes it's going to be a slick ass comment at Thanksgiving dinner. Sometimes it's going to be refusing to acknowledge someone's pronouns. Sometimes it's going to be clocking somebody on the street and then wanting to bring it to everybody else's attention. We can do those things and feel like, well, you know, it wasn't me who got physical, but we are the ones who started the violence in those moments. Many times, and this is, this is what's really insidious to me. Many times, cisgendered women, especially cisgender heterosexual women, will befriend queer people, trans people, and it's always interesting because in so many instances, the friend is queer or trans, but their boyfriend is king queerphobe. Their boyfriend is usually the purveyor of patriarchy. And so they find themselves, I guess, at an impasse because their boyfriend will be violent as hell. And they'll say, well, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be in the middle. If you don't want to be in the middle, if there even is a middle, then you're a part of the problem, period. You need to be willing to offer up your body, your mouth, and your mind in those moments. Now, I do understand that there are some instances where women are also in danger, but I think the challenge is we have to kind of commit ourselves to understanding that in this instance, we 
hold the privilege and that we are the oppressive party and we don't have the opportunity to say that we don't want to get involved. Get in that shit. Get dirty. I, I know this is hard to say, but if it means getting uncomfortable, if it means potentially, you know, getting into something that can be dangerous, I know that that can be a difficult decision to make. But understanding that just as if you were in the street being harmed, you would want help, be willing to help. And so Tyler's relatives, none of them were willing to help. But those aunties in the back were really like, really kind of standing out to me because, you know, so much of our culture in more recent years has been like, you know, embracing auntie culture. Aunties are supposed to be people who protect you. They're supposed to hold you down. They're supposed to have your back. But if we tell the truth, aunties can be some of the most violent ass people we know. Because a lot of times aunties are the people who say, well, I love you so much. I just don't support that lifestyle. Tell the truth. Don't hide your bigotry behind religiosity. Don't hide it behind ignorance. Don't hide it behind a change of the times. Don't even hide it behind traditionalism. People will say, well, you know, back in my day, we didn't do that. Well, back in your day, we didn't do a lot of things. Back in your day, we also didn't call out sexual abuse. Back in your day, we didn't name domestic violence. Back in your day, we didn't do a lot of shit. We doing them now. Get with it. Because aunties make their way down to the beauty supply and get them two, them $27 shake and go wigs every time. If you can get to the beauty supply, you can get to the library and get acclimated. I'm not about to play with y'all. And I'm, I promise I'm not trying to posture myself as someone who's not still learning because I am. We're all learning, right? But I'm trying to apply the learning. And in my application, I've discovered that cisgendered heterosexual women are part of the problem. I actually also want to say something really quickly because I've, I've just noticed that it's been like a thing. A lot of people don't feel comfortable with the word cisgendered, which is strange to me because it's literally a word. It exists. It's a real word. I heard someone once say like, don't call me that. Don't call me a cisgender. That, <laughs> that to me, like told me um, everything I needed to know. So I actually exited that space abruptly because to me, it's only a matter of time before you start like foaming at the mouth for real. But cisgendered is the way that we refer to folks whose assignment at birth also aligns with their gender identity. So for example, I was assigned female sex. My sex was assigned as female at birth. And I identify as a woman. My gender performance is that of woman. Also, just to be clear, all people perform gender. Heterosexual people perform gender. Cisgender people perform gender. Um, so my gender performance is that of woman. Because the fact of the matter is, like I said, these, these behaviors, they leak outside of the house. And then what happens is, like in the instance of Tyler, people are displaced. Tyler has had to be removed from that home because it's no longer safe for him. And it's probably never been safe for him. If that is any indication of what's been going on in that house, it's never been safe for Tyler, ever. And what it also tells me is the children around Tyler are likely to imitate the behavior that they've seen and likely to take that same kind of violence to their school classrooms, to their playgrounds, to their churches, wherever it is that they're going. I also want to be clear in saying that queerphobia, homophobia, transphobia is anti-Black. And if you're not clear on how that is, that's alarming to me. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter how you want to slice it, Black, queer, and trans people have stood in the gap time and time again. They have saved us time and time and time again. There has never been any kind of revolution, liberation, or transformation that has not had Black and queer people, Black and trans people at the forefront. 
ever, not ever, not once ever, has there ever been something that has worked toward the liberation or freedom or exaltation of Black folks that hasn't included them. We owe them everything because they've given us everything that they have. And every time we have a chance to show up, we choose not to. And we cloak it in, well, that just goes against my beliefs. All this kind of foolishness. And y'all tell, y'all are telling lies. And the worst lie of them all is, well, I'm just worried about the children. I just want to protect the children. I remember when little mama was talking about Zaya Wade and about how, you know, I'm just worried about these kids. Uh, little mama, please. First of all, you don't give a damn about these kids. Let's, let's be clear. The people who are always saying, well, I just, I'm so worried about the kids. You don't care about the kids. And half the time you don't even like the kids. Y'all don't even like your own kids. That's why you limit their abilities in every capacity that you can. You limit their creativity. You limit their humanity in every chance that you can. You stifle them every chance that you get. You beat them mercilessly. You curse them out like they're people on the street. You put them in dark rooms for timeout for hours at a time. Sometimes y'all tell them they can't eat dinner if they didn't finish their homework or do something you wanted them to do. If they don't take the chicken out before you get home from work, asses are getting beat. All this wild, disgusting, violent ass stuff is happening because you don't even like kids, let alone want to protect them. I know these are not the kids that y'all are filming beating on camera that y'all saying y'all want to protect. Stop lying. Tell the truth. Little mama said, well, you know, I'm just worried about the kids. If little mama was really invested in learning or really even protecting kids, then she would have done the work to know that children are autonomous beings. And because children are autonomous beings, they're very clear on who they are and what they want, even when they don't have the language. The language may sometimes be more simplified, but kids know who they are. No one really has to ever explain that to children. As they learn and grow, they get access to more information and they become a bit more clear on what language to use to apply how they feel, who they are, how they identify. But the fact of the matter is, y'all are going to stop lying on kids and saying, well, I just want to do this for the kids. You don't. What does what we saw happen to Tyler have to do with protecting kids? The most annoying part of the video was them trying to get him to say that he wasn't gay as if by some chance it was going to change anything this is for them and i'm so tired of these violent aggressive just meaningless performances if you want to uphold white supremacy if you want to uphold patriarchy then do that but leave people out of it leave these children out of it what what i saw in that video was no different then when I see the white boys gas up their pickup trucks and crush their beer cans on their temples and their skulls and burn up those crosses in people's front yards, I didn't see anything different. It was the same to me. And I'm sure now those family members are probably somewhere curled up and crying, talking about how they love Tyler. They never did because they never even saw him. They were too invested in trying to serve a society that they hope would one day serve them. Which is so ignorant because when have black people ever seen any kind of reprieve in this nation? People think that by upholding these systems of oppression, that somehow the system will one day say that you are now free to be. You are now free to exist. You are now welcome into the kingdom of kundam. And that to me is, is strange because it's never happened. And I don't know why we don't understand why it never will. It will never happen. With that said, the best thing we can do for Tyler is one, donate to his GoFundMe. Over the weekend, Hope Giselle 
who is a really, really prolific speaker and author and also a diversity and inclusion specialist, spoke really at length about why Tyler's experience is not an isolated experience and how Tyler's experience is indicative of that of Black queer children all over the nation, Black trans children all over the nation, really the work that needs to be done and how many of us have some really, really difficult choices that we're going to have to make, but really important choices about who we want to protect, who we will choose to serve and who we even want to be, who we will choose to be. And so Hope also created a GoFundMe for Tyler, because as I mentioned, he's been removed from the home for his own safety. And so the funds that are raised will be used for therapy, for clothes and, you know, all the things that a 12 year old child really could use and really could need. But Hope is super, super committed to ensuring that Tyler is safe and remains that way. And I think that we all should be as well. So it would behoove you to go to Hope Giselle's Instagram, H-O-P-E-G-I-S-E-L-L-E. I've also tagged Hope on my Instagram, which is Till the Fat Lady Sings, Lady Spell with an X, and donate to Tyler's GoFundMe. It's also in my bio as well. But I also, I encourage you to go onto Hope's Instagram and kind of just hear her speak about what those choices are, why they're important, and really what needs to be done moving forward, because this is work that she's been doing long before this video was released. Even though Tyler is obviously who we're talking about right now, again, we know that there are so many more Tylers out there, right? And this story, I hate to say it, it's not the first time we've heard it and it won't be the last because so many people are still in commitment to the violence. So many people are still in commitment to upholding the violence. So what I want to leave you with is, yes, we will, you know, talk about a bunch of other things soon. But for today, just like when we talked about Makaya and talked about protecting children, we want to keep doing that. But we also want to protect Black queer children. We want to protect Black non-binary children. We want to protect Black trans children. We want to protect Black children, period. And that means all Black children, right? They are the revolution and we owe them everything. Until next time, this is Jessica Speaks and you're listening to Till the Fat Lady Sings. I hope that maybe this has been helpful. To be clear, I have not said anything that queer and trans people have not already said. I could never say anything that queer and trans people have, have not already said because, again, they are the revolution and they've been doing this work. And as a person who's not heterosexual but was raised in a very, very, very heteronormative household, I think it's important that I be clear that I still have work to do for myself, but that I'm willing to tell the truth. And so I hope that we're all willing to start telling the truth about what role we play in the family dynamic and how that impacts the children that we say we want to protect. Until next time, justice for Tyler. I hope that next time we speak, I have an update for you. And please, please, please be well and help the children in your lives be well.